Thanks, George. Let's just pray for the offering as the, as the guys collect it up. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we have the opportunity to give in this place. We thank you for the abundant blessing that you pour out on us that gives us that opportunity. Uh, God, I just pray that, that you would use these finances that are given to further your kingdom for your glory and for your purpose. Amen. So as I, as I mentioned earlier, my name's, my name's Matt. I'm assistant pastor here at Cornerstone. Uh, this morning I received a text message from Neil saying that he was possibly running a little bit late, uh, followed by another text message that says, no, nah, I probably won't be there. And I suddenly thought, hmm, I wonder who's going to give the message this morning. Um, and my brain kicked into gear and I started with a message and here I am to introduce... Isaac Broad, who's going to bring us the message this morning. Isaac, for those of you who don't know Isaac, Isaac is an awesome guy. Uh, he, I'll let him talk about himself, but he, he has been at Cornerstone for many years and then he left us and travelled around Australia and did a few other things and now he's, he's back and here he is. Thanks, man. Probably can hear me without the mic anyway. Oh, that's loud. All right, let's start by praying. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just lift up this morning's word, Father, and just pray, Lord God, that you'd almost be like a seer, Father God, for my words, Father. That everyone has come in here with, with a different need, Lord. And I just ask, Father God, that in this message, Father God, there will be seeds for every heart, Lord. That everyone that's come this morning, Father God, that I know you have something for them. And just pray that um, a phrase or a word or something that's said this morning, Father, you'd filter my words and I'd get exactly what it is that you have for them this morning, Father. I just thank you, Father God, for your stillness of, of my heart, Lord God, and um, you just bring to my recollection everything that you wanted to share this morning, Father God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, as you know, it was super short notice this morning, so I got a text message from Neil saying, hey, dude, are you good to, to preach? Like, get this thing done? And I was like, am I? <laughs> oh. Um, and so I frantically sat down in the prayer room and said, Lord, what's the message for this morning? Like, what, what have you got for these, for these guys? Like, I wanna, don't want to do you guys an injustice. And I felt like the best thing that I can do is probably take you to my journaling time in the morning over the last few weeks. Because that I've been sitting in, it's in my heart, and it's a message for me, but I'm sure it's a message for you guys as well. So I thought that'd be, that'd be the best thing to, to do. So the title, of, the title of this morning's message is Spiritual Health and Fitness. Choosing a lifestyle that cultivates spiritual health and fitness. Now I felt like the Lord's been challenging me and, and convicting me about the fact that, yeah, I do spend time with the Lord in the morning. I pray, I open up His Word, and I journal. And that's a regular thing that I do every morning. But I know in my heart there's been seasons and times in my life where I have absolutely burned for God, that He has overflowed in me. Now this thing keeps feeling like it's going to fall off my ear. And I'm not in that place now. And I feel the conviction of the Lord in a... Because God is so gracious. He has a gracious way of kind of bringing to our attention that, look Isaac, there is a better way. There's a better way of living. There's a better way of doing life. And you remember times where you've sought after me more than anything else, where I've become your everything. And I remember, especially the time when I first came to the Lord, when I was 17, um, I came to the Lord through, I'd sort of walked away from anything to do with God. My parents were missionaries and they raised, raised me in the church and I understood about God, understood about the principles of what God's about and what He's done for me. 
but I was kind of choosing to go into the world and I'm going to sort this thing out myself. And so ended up uh, really spending a lot of time um, engaging in worldly junk. Um, and to cut a long story short, in God's grace, he brought me out of that junk um, and into a baptismal tank in church um, through various circumstances. Um, but the day that I was baptised, um, I was always told growing up that the waters of baptism is where your old life passes away. Can I get this fixed up? I, I don't, maybe I should grab the other mic. It's, it's kind of falling off my ear unless maybe I don't know what I'm doing. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Maybe my ear is too small. You got, got very little ears. I know they are tiny ears, unusually small. Poor Neil's got really big ones. Though. Maybe he stretched it out of shape. Sorry, guys, I'm back. So for me, that day of baptism was was a, a real transformation. I knew that that day I was going to repent of my sins. And I was going to give my life to Jesus. And on the other side of that, that baptismal tank, I didn't know what my life was going to look like. And for me, it was a real decision. Like I was shaking within myself that, look, I'm this, I was always known as this funny guy, you know, in school and, and uni and stuff. I'm this funny guy that, um, you know, that everyone sort of laughs and I've got this sort of personality about me. And honestly, I had this fear that I was going to go through the baptismal tank and come out a completely different person, almost like this Christian religious robot type guy. Um, and that's not what, what God did. He has this way of kind of moving on your personality and bringing something fairly significant out of it. Um, anyway, after baptism, God set a fire inside my heart and a hunger for him that was insatiable. Like I needed to be at every church meeting. I needed to sit under the Word of God. I needed to spend copious amounts of time in His presence because I was that hungry to know Him and to know Him more. And at the stage when I was baptized, my family had come off the mission field. They'd been on the mission field for maybe 11, 12 years and had come off the mission field a burnt-out couple. They were burnt out from spending so long um, in a different culture with a different language um, and translating the Bible. Um, they were faithful in all of that, but let me just say when we moved to Alice Springs, off an indigenous community, um, mum and dad would go to church maybe once every four weeks. Um, my, both my sisters weren't walking with the Lord, and my brother was an alcoholic in Melbourne at university. So the family wasn't, it wasn't in a good state. Um, but what I want to say is that what God began to do in those early days is he began to cultivate a fitness in me, a spiritual fitness. At 17, I had no idea what he was doing, but he began to teach me about waking up early. And I'd get up at 4 o'clock every morning as a 17-year-old. And everyone knows that's almost impossible. Like That's a miracle in itself, right? Um, so he would get me up, alarm or no alarm, he would wake me at 4 a.m. in the morning. I would get outside the house and I would climb a hill close to our house and I would pray and I would pray and pray and pray. And I don't even know really what I was doing. This is all new territory for me. But I could feel this fire burning and it was addictive. Like I just wanted to spend more and more time with him. I could feel his presence. And my prayers started to become more and more deliberate over the town that I lived in, over the people in my family, over my brother, over my sisters, over my parents. <clears throat> And over 6 to 12 months, God completely transformed my family unit. So my family went from being disengaged with church, my sisters not walking with the Lord, my brother an alcoholic, to by the end of the 12-month period, 
everyone was baptized, full of the Holy Spirit, and my family all woke up at 4 a.m. every morning. So I'd wake at 4 a.m. and look down the hallway and I could see the lights on underneath all the doorways. My family was in revival. <clears throat> God used a single life of a 17-year-old <clears throat> seeking his face moving away from the world and worldly things. I switched off the TV. I'm not saying you have to do these things, but this is what I felt like the Lord led me into. Get rid of worldly junk and begin to seek my face. Switched off the TV and all I wanted was God. I would spend hours just sitting in his presence, reading his word. And I didn't know that this was having an effect on my family. I would just come in. All I would talk about was God. All I would talk about was what I'd read. All I'd talk about was what I'd been praying about. And I could see the change beginning to happen in that family. Then the people I worked with, there was this overflow effect. So that's what God's been bringing to mind in my life. That Yeah, I do get up in the morning. I spend time with the Lord. We pray together. Um, but I do it more, these days I do it more out of a habit. This is a habit that I do. Okay, I get up, I pray with the Lord, and I read the Word. And it's like the Holy Spirit's moving on my heart and he's saying, you know full well, <clears throat> Isaac, that there is way more to this relationship than your consistent habit with me. I don't even know if you guys have a consistent habit praying and spending time with the Lord, but I'm telling you there are places in God that you can go to as you begin to spend time with Him that changes your physical and spiritual makeup. He changes the person you are as you begin to spend time with Him. My key scripture for this morning is 1 Timothy Chapter 4, starting at verse 8, and we know this passage well, but I'm going to read it all the way through to verse 16. Paul says, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of the people, in particularly all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift um, uh, received through prophecy spoken by the elders of the laying on of, through the laying on of the hands. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Keep close watch on how you live, on your teachings. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. So Paul's saying physical training is good and it's great. We live in a world that esteems physical fitness and beauty almost above everything else. And maybe the world was like that then, I have no idea. But Paul's saying, look, physical training is good. Yeah, there are benefits to it. Obviously, you're going to live longer. You're going to feel stronger, healthier. Um, but he said, but spiritual training for godliness is much better. It promised benefits in this life and in the life to come. I don't even know what that means. And God's still sort of opening that one up for me. But our walk with the Lord this end affects our life into eternity, which is a fairly significant thought. All right, so looking at spiritual health and fitness, just like physical health and fitness, it's obvious when you're not 
where you need to be with those things. Like you know when you're overweight, you know when you've been eating junk, you know when you haven't got the kind of energy that you need. Exactly the same is true with spirit, your spiritual condition. In the Bible in Galatians 5.22, it outlines what both a healthy spiritual condition is and an unhealthy spiritual condition. And it says, for somebody that's in a healthy spiritual condition, this is what their life will look like. This is the snapshot of what they'll look like. They will overflow with love, possess joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. And I've added another one on the end there, and this is significant for me as well, is boldness. When you are spiritually healthy and you are on fire for God, you are bold. You walk into church, you are not hanging your head in shame, you're not backing away into the darkness or trying to hide from people, you're more than happy for them to look right into your soul. This is who I am. I'm living for God and it's real, I'm spending time with Him. You lose all shame. So if there's any of you here that, that struggles with shame, really listen. Listen to what I'm teaching here because I've gone through patches in my life where I haven't want to be, be at church. I haven't want to connect with people. They ring me, they, I miss their calls and I don't ring them back because I know there's junk in my life and I'm not comfortable connecting with them just in case they see it. So just in case they see that I'm just a little bit off kilter, I'm not exactly where I need to be with God. Galatians also talks about, gives you a snapshot of what it looks like to be spiritually unhealthy. And it says, um, describing their life, People that are spiritually unhealthy will produce these results. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful, um, lustful, um, lustful pleasures, idolatry, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties and sins like these. My message isn't to highlight anyone or make them feel uncomfortable. If you see yourself on the second list and go, oh man, there's at least two or three things on that list, which make, that's me right now. Um, what's this guy doing? We've all been there. And the good news is that we have an advocate in Jesus that understands the fact that we're going to get to places in life where things just aren't going right, where we step back into a place of shame, where we're backing away from fellowship in church or with other Christians because we feel like we've lived a life that's not quite where we need to be with God. And the funny thing is, what Satan does with most of us, and he's done it since the beginning of time, is he tries to sever the relationship that we have with our Father, and he does it through lies. He says, the moment you start walking off track, somehow God's lost his love for you. Completely the opposite is true, but he says that to you. So the moment Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, they felt this shame that came from the enemy. It came from the idea of, hang on, Sin's been exposed in my life, and sin, I think, means that it, does, it feels uncomfortable, I feel naked, that God sees me differently to the way he saw me yesterday. And that's it's actually not true. We know that because the Bible tells us that Jesus died for each one of us while we were yet in sin. In other words, when we're in that place where, okay, life's not going great, we're doing things we probably shouldn't be doing, that's the time that our Savior came and died on the cross for us and bridged the gap of relationship between us and our Heavenly Father. That's the love that He has for us. He opened up a throne. Of, he, it says in the Bible that um, we should come boldly into the throne room of grace to have connection with our Father, and it's Jesus that restored that relationship. 
Jesus is not offended by our mistakes or our current condition. If you see Jesus in terms of health and fitness, if you imagine Jesus to be your ultimate personal trainer, right? He has a complete vested interest in your spiritual health and fitness. So if you've gone through a period in your life where you've binged on a bunch of ice cream and pizza and that sort of thing, your PT, Jesus, he's the one that you want to approach, not shy away from. If you're in a place like I am and you're like, yeah, okay, I've been consistent in prayer and doing other things or maybe you haven't been, but I do want more. I do want more of the Lord. I'm going to have to have a drink now. Talk amongst yourselves again, please. Mm. Sorry about that. So Jesus is, the, is our advocate. He's the one that we come to when we're in those sort of conditions. So if you imagine him as your PT, and you're in your position in life where you're like, there's got to be more to life than this. Like, I don't have the energy that I think I need. My muscles aren't as strong as I think they should be. I feel lethargic. There has to be more to life than this. Jesus is the one that you can go to, and he's your advocate. So he's the one that you approach, and he's like, there's a team of us here to assist you with your transformation. In other words, with you moving into a life that's different from this one. I don't know any of your, your situations and your walk with the Lord, and I don't even know if you've necessarily moved into a place where you feel the momentum of relationship with God, where you've withdrawn to a place and, and sought his face where he starts to change everything about your life that the way you hear the voice of the Spirit, it suddenly becomes clear when it hasn't been before and you actually begin to hear what you believe is the voice of God. I want to share another quick testimony with you. Not, it, wasn't, it was more like a few years ago rather than when I was 17. Um, it was another period in my life where I felt the conviction of the Lord to really seek spiritual fitness and I withdrew and began to just really seek His face. Like, again, get up really early in the morning I started a process of fasting as well. And for me, fasting is usually um, fast Facebook, social media. But I also eat just really plain food. So I don't go complete no food because I, I, I was a landscaper. So I need the energy. So I eat plain food like, you know, plain sandwiches and, you know, rice with like a, probably not even salt because that would be too, too exciting for me. So I'd be just like a plain bowl of rice. And I do that for a period of time. And the reason I'm doing that is because what fasting does in your body is that it does two things. It suppresses the voice of your flesh. And your voice of your flesh, we know it well and it's pretty noisy. So it's constantly telling us what we want to do. It's going, eat this, go there, watch that, do this. And we're kind of used to going along with the flow of its voice, right? So a fast, what it does is begin to suppress that voice. So every time I say no to something, so my, the, my the flesh says, I want the chocolate cake, and I go, well, you're not having it. I want the Coke. Well, you're not having it. We're going to eat a salad, and we're going to have the rice with no salt. Um, what's happening, it, two things. So the vo the, it's suppressing the voice of my flesh, and at the same time, the voice of the Holy Spirit starts to become clearer and clearer and clearer in my walk. So if I do that for... Um, Let's say a three-week period. That's usually the cycle the Lord sort of works. It takes me three weeks from going... Oh, you have to give me time counts too because I forgot to set my timer. If I, 
if I go from a place of feeling like I'm not quite where I need to be and I need to sharpen up with the Lord, it takes me about three weeks to go from a place of to a place of, okay, I'm starting to get excited about spending time with the Lord now. Like I'm hungry to be with Him and I feel like I'm hearing His voice more clearly. Anyway, back to the testimony. So I'd done this plain food fast for about three weeks. It was that transition period. And Vanessa and I were out to breakfast at McDonald's. Obviously, it wasn't, you know, it was like a fast-breaking, fast-breaking point. Um, we would come back from this church camp, and it was, it was a place sort of on our way, and I was like, yep, we'll pull in here. I can't even remember whether I ate McDonald's or not, so I'm pretty sure I must have been breaking my fast. Anyway, we went in there, and this couple walked in, this old couple walked in and then sat down on the table kind of across from us. And as soon as they walked in, immediately, because I've been suppressing the voice of the flesh, it, it loses its voice after about four days. It's very quiet, and you're only hearing really God saying stuff to you. So this couple walks in, and I felt this incredible sadness. And I felt like the Lord said, you need to go and talk to them, and you need to let, let them know that I love them, I'm thinking of them, and that I've heard their prayer. And I thought, okay, yeah. So God's working on the clarity. I can hear His voice. But he hasn't worked on the boldness thing yet. So I'm like, I don't know those people at all. This is going to be the most random thing. Anyway, I said, and then Vanessa turned to me and she said, Isaac, I had the strongest feeling about that couple, like the Lord needs us to go and talk to them. I'm like, that's confirmation. He's definitely saying something. And so I left the table and I literally pulled up a chair and sat down at their table. And there was like a little bit of a pause as they're kind of looking at me like, what is this guy's problem? Like, what's going to come out of his mouth? And I said to them, look, I know this is going to sound crazy. That was my opening line. And I said, but I'm a Christian. And I said, and I believe um, the Lord wants me to say to you that he loves you. He feels your heart and that he's heard your prayer. Anyway, they both broke down crying immediately, just started really weeping. And then after, they, after a few minutes of that, they stopped and they looked at me and they said, we're in desperate need in our life right now. And they said, on the way to McDonald's this morning in our car, I turned to my husband and I said, well, we could pray to God. We could just say, God, if you're real, you know, can you please show us that you're with us and that you hear our prayer? So <clears throat> what I want to bring the message to is that your spiritual health and fitness is more about the people around about you than it's necessarily about you. Um, That you're going to be walking past people on a daily basis that are in desperate need. Who knows, they've been throwing out prayers to the Lord and they want to hear from Him. They want to know that He's real. And it's our commitment to saying, all right, I'm going to get into His presence every morning. I'm not even necessarily feeling anything, but I'm going to ask for more of Him. I want more of a hunger. I'm going to do this plain food fast, and I'm going to say no to the chocolate cake. I'm going to stir this thing until I hear His voice clearly with clarity, because I'm going to come across people. Look, I don't know if I hadn't been praying and fasting, and I hadn't heard it, whether, well, I don't even know if God brings those people across my path because I have been praying or fasting, or whatever the reason is. But I know that situations like that begin to happen as you begin to set your life on fire for Him and begin to withdraw to a place with Him. Clarity begins to come and God begins to move through your life to affect the people around about you in significant ways. Like That was a significant turning point for that couple. They don't know the Lord. They're not Christians. Their last resort was to say, All right, God, if you're even real, you know, can you please... And then I was sitting there after feeling stirred 
who knows, the Holy Spirit might have stirred me up to get to that point so he could get to those people. But it's not the only time. We were in Tasmania last year, and again, I felt the, the stirring. Okay, Lord, I'm going to seek your face again. I'm going to stir up again. And I was in a, a, an antique shop, and I was walking, walking through, and the counter's there, and there's like one lady behind the counter, and I was walking past her, and again, I just felt this incredible sadness. And I, again, I was like, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? Are you sad? You know, like, how am I even going to broach the subject with this lady? And so, anyway, I did. That's exactly what I did. I walked out of the shop first, like a weirdo, and then I turned around and walked back in again. And uh, walked up to the counter, and I said to the lady, this is going to sound crazy. (laughs) But I said, I'm a Christian. Um, And I said, I just walked past the counter, and I said, oh, man, did I feel some sadness. I said, is everything okay? You're doing all right? And she goes, I'm doing fine. And I was like, that's unusual. I said, <laughs> I said to her, I felt it so strongly, like God's done it to me before. I said, it says really strange that. <laughs> so I really challenged her on it too. <laughs> How embarrassing. Anyway, she broke down then. And she said that her husband of 20 years had left her that morning for somebody else. And she said, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm absolutely heartbroken. She said, I don't even know how I'm at work today. But I do know that as we spend time with the Lord and He begins to cultivate spiritual fitness, we become different people. The the Bible promises us transformation and it's significant. It's not like we're just ordinary people anymore. When we tap into the Spirit and we begin to live out what God intends us to do, He literally changes the kind of people we are. We're like when we become full of the Spirit, it's like He takes over our thinking. He, he connects with our heart in a particular way and everything begins to change. You become His representative here on earth. You're so alert to what He's doing and what He wants to do in your life that He starts to overflow. And I tell you what, there is no better feeling at the end of a day when you've, done, when you've been leaning into God and then He graciously uses your life to touch somebody significantly in that day you go to bed at night with a smile on, your, smile on your face thinking, I think that's what the gospel looks like. Like, I think this is what Jesus intended it for, for, for us to sort of live like and do things. And you have a smile because you're like, somehow I've been living out what God intended for my life to look like. And it was this love and this kindness. You don't have to be like me and walking up to total random strangers. You could show the most incredible kindness in Acts in just asking people how they're doing, in sharing things with people as God prompts you. And you'll feel it. That person needs encouragement today. That person needs this today. And you'll begin to sort of bring it, bring it forth. All right. So I want to talk about what it looks like to go from a state with God where, yeah, okay, I'm being consistent, I'm praying and doing things, but I want to really up this thing. It's like the health and fitness with your body. Like, yeah, okay, generally I eat okay. I'm not really running or do anything like that, but yeah, I'm doing all right. And you're saying to yourself, no, actually, I want to run fast and I want to be strong and I want this body to completely transform. I want to be a different person. And you're getting to that point in your life. If you're at that point and my message is ringing true and you're like, I'm so tired of the status quo. I'm bored with Christianity. Like, it's a boring thing for me. I do go to church and I follow through the procedures and do everything I need to do. I'm here to tell you that there is way more than the meh life with God. There is something on the other side that you can begin to move into. So I've put together what I call the three-week detox program. (laughs) (laughs) Who's excited? Come on. 
Now, before you start the detox program, I'm going to warn you that the first two and a half weeks will be terrible. If you're not in a consistent walk with God and you're not reading and you're not digging in, the transition from consuming worldly junk to consuming spiritual goodness, that two and a half weeks will seem like such a drag. Exactly the same as physical diet, moving from pizzas and ice cream to salads. For two and a half weeks, it takes three weeks for your body to go, I actually do feel like a salad now. I actually do want to eat this healthy food. I'm, I do want to go to the gym. I kind of, I'm feeling the benefits of it now. and I'm kind of addicted to this change that's happening in me. Exactly the same with your spiritual walk. But that's what I've found anyway. Um, that you're looking at a three week before you get to the point where you're like, I'm hungry to spend time with God. If I have a waiting moment, like someone gives me an hour, I can sit with him and just dig into his word. But the first two and a half weeks, unless you're radically different to me, or most people I'm sure, that transition from deciding that, okay, I'm going to move from worldly junk to God, it will seem like a bit of a drag, okay? So, I've written a quick paragraph here. I said, much of the world is plugged into cellular drips. We're being drip-fed thousands of pieces of worldly junk every hour, subconsciously being brainwashed by a value system of the void of holiness or godliness. Minute by minute, our moral foundations are being eroded. We start becoming less shocked by shocking things, even to the point of questioning whether sins are really bad anymore. So if you're spending heaps of time bashing this thing, scrolling and all that kind of thing, I guarantee, I promise you, that um, it's going to erode your faith. And sins that seem like sins when you first came to the Lord will seem like, nah. what's the big deal? You know, and your connection with God and your, your uh, in-tuneness to His Spirit will disappear as you begin to do that. TV is the same. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there. You become desensitized. Everyone knows what I mean. So the first stage of the detox, if you've got a pen and paper, you might want to write it down or write it down on your phone. The first thing is to evaluate your spiritual diet. So the first thing we, we do is actually look at our life. How do we spend our time? How do we wake up in the morning? What's the first thing we do? Do we sit down and go, thank you, Lord, for the day? Or do we bash this out for an hour, checking on you know, whether people have liked our posts from the day before or not? Um, Reevaluate the entire day. Look at an average day for you. What does it look like? How are you talking? How are you living? What are you consuming? What are you actually putting in? What are you looking at? What are you listening to? All these sorts of things will influence your, I guess, the heat within you. You'll either be boiling hot because you're consuming stuff that's good for you or you'll be cold because you're chucking a whole bunch of cold worldly water in there. So the first thing you do is reevaluate your spiritual diet. Have a close look at it. Your homework for this week um, is to look at your days and look at the week and go, okay, what does it look like? Um, and be real about it. How do I really spend my time? Look at your screen time on your, you know, on your phone and go, oh my gosh, like two, do you know two hours a day of phone equals seven years of your life? Who's shocked by that figure? No one. Right, okay. <laughs> so step one. Step two. Um, oh, I've already said that. Make an accurate list of how you spend your time. Step three, and this is a hard one, it's transitioning across from what you consume. So you actually have decided, I've made a list, I'm, and I'm, I'm marking them accordingly. Things that are worldly junk, I'm going to put across next and go, I'm actually not going to do that anymore. Any kind of sin, or anything that you know is sin that you're willingly doing, put a massive cross next to that. Trust me, it'll be awesome when you do. Um, 
And then anything that's neutral, it could be like watching a cooking show on TV or whatever it is you do. You evaluate whether you're spending too much time doing that. I don't have a problem with that. I love cooking shows and, and those kind of things. So mark them as neutral. Um, and then the positive things are anything that stirs the flame of God in you. So praying before the Lord. Um, if, if anyone's thinking, how on earth would you pray for two or three hours? Like, what do you actually say in that time? Um, I ask God for more. I ask God for a hunger. Like when I start off this detox process, I walk, I pace because that kind of keeps me moving early in the morning, so I stay awake. And I say to the Lord, Lord, I'm not as hungry as I want to be for you. And I want to be more hungry. And so, and if, you, if you're baptized in the Spirit and you pray in tongues, pray in the Spirit as well. Like I pray in the Spirit and really get the cogs kind of turning inside me as I'm kind of praying. Um, and feel as I'm going that the Lord begins to drop different things. They'll be like pictures or somebody's face or something in my mind that I feel like I should be praying about that. But most of my prayer time in the first two and a half weeks is just about, Lord, help me to get back. Oh, it's very selfish. Help me to get back to where I need to be with you. And about the two and a half week mark, he starts to ch- my, my prayers change a bit and they become for other people and for their needs. And, and my heart starts to become more aware of the needs of others as I sort of move into that space. So, all right, your homework, you've marked those things down. Um, let's have a look. What was the next thing on there? All right, so you're setting up a new routine. You're getting rid of anything that makes you lukewarm towards the things of God, and you're consuming anything that's going to create a hunger for Jesus in your life. More water for me. Returning to an organic, healthy relationship with our Father is the first and most important step in cultivating a powerful lifestyle before the Lord. Without deliberately turning away from worldliness and turning to the Father, a life lived for God will not be a priority, and essentially our lives will be the void of power. So the message this morning, how much more time have I got? Does anyone know? Wrap it up. Sorry for talking for too long. So just to recap, um, for those of you that are, and hopefully this is speaking to quite a few of you, for those of you that are in a place where you're like, yeah, okay, I'm going through the motions, um, and I feel like I'm doing the right thing before the Lord, but man, I really would, I really do want more. I want more of Him. I want to feel different. I want, He shared testimonies, and I've never had that in my life before, and I want something like that. I guarantee, there's nothing special about me, not at all. Um, I'm a completely normal person that goes through probably the exact same things you guys do. It's just that for some reason, different times in my life, I felt a prompting. And I think that's the grace of God saying, it's time for you to go to a deeper place with me. And he's doing that right now. That's why I'm sharing the message with you. In the last few weeks, I felt like he's like, Isaac, I need you to go deeper with me. And you know what I mean, because I've seen other times. I know in me, like my barometer for if I'm not exactly where I need to be with God, is I don't love people like I do when I'm with Him. So I'm more concerned about me and my needs and those sort of things. And that's my barometer. So I'm feeling as though I see different people in need in the street or when I'm at the shops and different things, and my heart is not motivated to love to reach those people, and that's how I know a shift has happened. But the two-and-a-half, three-week mark, when I start really moving and getting back into His presence again, that's what I think about. I think, oh, I haven't heard from so-and-so in ages. I should give them a call, you know. Or I see someone at church and think, that person needs encouragement. 
you know, and I'm, it's like his heart connects with yours as you get to that point, and that's the change for me. So just want to encourage you guys in that. Next weekend, I'll be checking to make sure you guys have all done your homework. Enjoy yourselves. That's, that's my wrap-up. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray. Lord, I just thank you, Father, that you make sense, Lord God, of all those words I just spoke, Lord. Um, and I ask, Lord God, that the seeds that are from you would, would truly take root in the hearts of people, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord God, for a, um, a fresh desire to want more of you, Father, to want a different lifestyle in your presence, to be transformed into your likeness, Lord. Lord God, I thank you, Father God, for today being a turning point in a lot of hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, Father. Hey, look, I might even, I might even open up the altar and say that if, if there's anybody out here that's in a place, well, two lots of people, people that heard the message and they've gone, okay, there's parts of that that are touching my heart and I do want, I do want um, a level of spiritual fitness in my life. Let coming to the altar, I, don't, I can come down and pray for people as well, but let the coming to the altar this morning being a point of, look, yeah, I'm coming to the ultimate personal trainer and I do want to shift this life and I do want it to look different to the way it looked last year or yesterday and I want help to do that because he's your ultimate helper. You're coming to meet face to face with him. And the second group of people that I want to the front are those that are saying to themselves, yeah. I want you up here as well because I think that ultimately <laughs> you're going to want it as well <laughs> in three weeks. So basically I'm saying, look, whoever feels like, okay, I want that turning point, I welcome to come to the front. And I'm more, I'm more than happy to sort of mingle and pray for you guys as you're up here. But this is your face-to-face -face with God. Let's have an encounter. And, and Lord, I do want a shift in my life. Um, I should be standing there as well. So cool. All right, thank you, everyone. You're awesome. amazing. Thanks, Isaac.